listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another episode of ESL Talk. We are your hosts, Faye. And Daniel. Last week, we looked at teaching in high context cultures. We hope you found it insightful and useful for your own teaching practice. Yeah, and today we will be talking about the topic of storytelling and how we can use it not just for young learners, but also for older adult learners. Yes, we can use storytelling in a lot of different ways to make our classes more engaging, save time in lesson planning, create unique classes, and hopefully let students guide their own learning too. Mm -hmm. And our special guest, Jesse, will be joining us to talk about how he uses storytelling to teach his students. Yeah, he's going to share his research-based methods and how we can apply storytelling to help us improve our classes in a number of different ways. Great. So first, shall we share our knowledge and experience of storytelling and how its elements have worked for us? Absolutely. Sure. Um, Faye, do you use elements of storytelling in your classes or courses? Um, for example, when students introduce themselves or mm -hmm. present information? Yeah, uh, definitely incorporate some elements of it uh, without thinking much about it either. It's just mm -hmm. uh, sort of natural to ask those WH questions, right? Right. And, And often like guide students to add information so that they're actually giving you a full picture of something. Mm -hmm. And I find that that comes a lot from storytelling, right? You want to know who they are, yeah. what their story is. So yeah, those simple WH questions and always making sure they add a because or why, like a reason for what they say. And I find that that is already sort of like a glimpse into what storytelling would be if they ever get mm -hmm. into that. True. And I think it's I think very cultural too, I find. I think in terms of mindset as well, it's really important early on. I always try to tell my students kind of, we want to create a picture in the listener's head and mm -hmm. we, we're like an artist in a way and we want to paint that picture. So the more mm -hmm. details, the more information, the more, um, you know, things that we can express to the listener, then the clearer the picture is and the better they can understand. So in, in essence, it is like telling a story as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you do have to help students sometimes with that because it can be quite cultural, like mm -hmm. things that are and aren't appropriate to say when you're introducing yourself or asking people questions and things like that. So we talked about that a little bit last week we in did. our episode about uh, high context cultures. So yeah, there's definitely something that plays a role here. And um, how about for you, Daniel, do you use storytelling with younger students? How does this work? 
Yeah, so I do have a very small select group of young students that I teach storytelling to, and I use that as a lesson type. Mm. Um, generally, it will be kind of the traditional conventional story book or, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of um, event or tale that we're going to tell. But then beyond that, we get into more kind of technical aspects of English, so vocabulary, grammar, comprehension activities, questions, um, some creative um, kind of critical thinking, depending on the Mm -hmm. student. Um, And then as well, we try to not just say, this is the the story. What could this mean? What does this show? And if I'm going for the very young students, it's what color is this? What day of the week is it? What time of day is it? So again, those W questions, like you mentioned, just to get them thinking and going a little bit deeper and, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the character looks sad. You know, when was the last time you felt sad? Or the character looks very annoyed. When was the last time you felt annoyed? doesn't always have to be negative um, expressions, mm-hmm. but of course it can be. <laughs> um, so there's lots of different ways you can incorporate um, other elements of English into storytelling. And yeah. I think vice versa as well, um, especially at the adult level. So mm-hmm. Faye, have you ever had adult learners create full stories in class did you find Mm -hmm. that they were open to that and receptive to that yeah I find that with adult learners and we've talked about this a few times before it's like they need to understand why you're doing things (laughs) to be more open Mm -hmm. to it right um so I found they were most receptive to it first when we were using it to practice language specifically to practice let's say past tenses um or even future tenses or um predictions and and conditional so if you kind of give them that um, focus, I find that they are more open to getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I've, I've used it as a way to like as a, as a group activity, you know, those where you like you write uh, the beginning of a story, and then they fold right. the paper and the next person continues and stuff. Yes. like that. Um, so making it into sort of like an activity and a, a game, which we know, adults enjoy just as much as the kids. Oh, do. yeah. Do. <laughs> so I find that there are ways to kind of trick them into it. But I honestly find that I don't like to say that, but it feels it feels almost like you have to trick them into it because if you come mm. in, in my experience, if I come in and I just say, "Okay, today we're going to write a story," they're like, "Oh, you're going to hear those groans and you know grunts." Right, the, right, right. From the group, I don't know if that's been uh, your case as well. Yeah, definitely. That would probably yeah. just be from me. Maybe if I presented a lesson like that. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think as well. Um, you know, trying to pitch it in a way that it's more interactive and more hands-on. I think that definitely would be more receptive as well. But mm-hmm. what activities do you use or have you used that help students guide and create their own learning? So one one thing that really helped me is, have you seen those story cubes before? They're like, they're like playing dice, but, okay. um, but for stories. They're used mm-hmm. in like um, schools and for children mostly. But like uh, the dice will have like a picture on them or, you know, so you, one of them can be used for the setting and the other one can be used for uh, like feeling. So there are different different sets you can buy. So the student will roll the dice and he has to uh, tell a story based on the two things he gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use it to also do like that whole team activity, group teamwork activity where they're telling the story together. So you start with a student rolling and then they make a paragraph from that and then the other student continues and stuff like that so um, I find that that helps because it gives them some guidance uh, for where to start the story and I can speak from experience whenever I, I was in school and, and the teacher would just say like write a story about a murder and you're like oh 
there's just not much to go on, right? We need so, some input. Yeah. So I find that that helps. Um, starting with pictures really helped. Um, what I used to do as well is, is get really interesting pictures and have the students tell the story about what happened before, what is happening during that picture, like when the picture was taken and what's going to happen after. And then always using those um, WH questions to guide them. Like, who are they? Where are they? Why are mm -hmm. they doing that? Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, so I find that those types of activities, uh, pictures, making it very visual. How about for you? Do you have any other tools you use? Um, two things that come to mind that I've used that work really well. The first one is to have um, a video. So like a, in the mm -hmm. background, you have a video of a couple arguing or a, I don't know, two characters having a heated discussion, but there's no yeah. sound. Yeah, so you I love don't that. know mm -hmm. what the dialogue is. So by pairing students and getting them to watch the video a couple of times, and you can give right. different videos to different students and just presenting that as a kind of a, you know, it's not, a, it's not exactly a presentation, but it's more mm -hmm. just an expression of, of their interpretation of it. I think that's a really fun activity, which mm -hmm. I love doing. And I, I enjoyed doing myself when I was doing teacher yeah. training. And I think students love that too. Mm -hmm. um, the second one to do as well is um, kind of comic strips. So mm -hmm. having some scenarios, having some different topics that students can choose from. And again, the first one or two slides or the first couple of pictures on the storyboard are done. And they can either do it individually where they write their own stories and submit them. And um, yeah. they can do that digitally. So it presents on the screen or in front of you or doing it as a group where you have a like a whiteboard, a flip chart with a storyboard and they have to create a storyboard as well. I mm -hmm. think that's really nice. And you can use some conventions or some aspects of the class. Maybe if you've been talking about, you know, narrative writing or, you know, persuasion, yeah. these kinds of things, we can incorporate that into a story as well. So those are a couple of things that come to mind, but obviously it just, it depends on the level of control that you want over your class and over your students. Mm -hmm. So how much control do you think that teachers should have when they're doing these kind of activities? Yeah, you touched on a good uh, point there because, um, yeah, we do have those ideas sort of like a springboard for them. But then sometimes we also want to have a specific language point come out, right? So I find that um, it's better, like the best it's best stories come out when we don't have that much control. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the focus. If you want them to just be creative and and write a really cool story that they'll have fun writing, maybe we shouldn't have as much control other than to just facilitate and, and help them when they get stuck with their ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but if your focus is on using stories for the language purpose, then I find that it's good to um, sort of limit what they should and should be, be, shouldn't be using and then kind of doing that, the correction afterwards and all that. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really against um, doing immediate feedback or giving feedback as the students are Yes. Are trying to come up with ideas, just like with a speaking activity. We've talked about this as well before. You don't want mm. to be, as the student is speaking, be correcting their grammar. It's like, oh, no, no, you should say she said, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to interrupt that flow. And I find that that's kind of the same for when they're producing a story. What right. Do you, what, right. Do, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think depending on how, how specific or how controlled you want the activity to be, that's going to depend on um, how we should do that. But I would say that if it's a specific goal that you have for the lesson, then definitely give your input, give your feedback, keep them on track and guide them because there can be a tendency with storytelling and using stories where 
you know, people can just go anywhere and all over the place. And we might want that sometimes, but we need to make sure that if our focus is to get to a certain stage, that everyone gets to that stage. So it just depends on your outcomes and your goals and your objectives for that lesson, I would say. Yeah, we already kind of mentioned that too. And you just said that too, uh, using it as language work. Um, do you think that this is a good type of activity um, to focus on things like grammar and vocabulary? Or do you think that this may be, we should leave it as a more of like a free expression type of uh, moment in class? I would say if you're teaching students online and you want to have it as a go-to, sometimes I think that's fine. I think it's a nice change of pace. It's a little bit less intense. It's more of that subconscious learning that we talked about before. I think with younger learners, it's definitely useful and it has validity and you can get into these kind of things because I do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, with older learners, again, maybe just as part of a lesson or an aspect of a course or one part of it, then yeah, absolutely. It's definitely got its place, but Mm -hmm. I think it might be difficult to get all these things in here because we're focusing on the skills of creativity and, you know, pulling in experiences and sharing those. So there's definitely elements of grammar and vocabulary that will just come out through the process, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if it's a a real focus on grammar or vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It's more a skills-based and a creative activity. What do you think? Yeah, I think it could be a really great way to focus on language that the student produces rather than mm. us prescribing what they should be using. Right. Um, I find that this is a really great activity, um, even for like to diagnose what some potential issues might be. Um, so at the beginning of a, of a session, right. And also to, to kind of show students um, to posit- positively reinforce them. So to kind of show them um, good things they've produced so we often focus on mistakes and after we do an activity like this, we might put the mistakes up on the board and that, that, that's great. I've done that. I do that mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. It can have its place, but we could even flip that and, and put the, like, let's say, good examples on the board and put some some really interesting sentences the students came up with and kind of point them out and kind of um, encourage them and motivate them and show them like, look, you made this sentence and this is great. You use this vocabulary, you use this grammar you know, and um, even in a group setting, that could be great for the students to feel very validated and motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so let's now chat to our guest, Jesse, and hear his ideas for implementing storytelling into our classes. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for joining us on ESL Talk today. Hi. Yes, nice to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you with us today, Jesse. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So first of all, could you first share a little about your journey so far and where you are today on your teaching world? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, I went traveling and decided I want to do more of this. So got back to Sydney, did my shelter, um, mm -hmm. started teaching at a university preparation school, worked there mm -hmm. for two years, um, academic English, topics were environmentalism and Mm. Uh, then I uh, fell in love with another teacher who I'd met during the shelter, my wife oh, now. Nice. And uh, <laughs> we went to Armenia, taught a bit in Armenia, mm. where um, very different experience. I was at a high school there, no textbooks. Uh, sorry, they had textbooks, but they weren't prescribed. So the teachers said, you know, do whatever you want. So I developed a real addiction to collection collecting textbooks mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> and i got a whole bunch and was had a lot of fun mixing and matching nice. um then came over to iran and moved into a small town here with my wife and i've been uh did some teaching at a local language school um which was another very challenging experience with a lot of growth where the students were uh nowhere near the level of the book which could be a common experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. So that was the challenge to yeah. make the book relatable. At the start of this year, I found TPRS, Ben Slavic stories, and I've just been exploring that and pretty much doing it full time now. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you use storytelling in your classes? Okay, so um, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one now. So it's a little bit different one-on-one -on -one to in the class, but it's the generally teacher has a set of questions. We ask the questions and we build up a character. And then once we've established a character, we build up a story based on a very simple problem solution structure. Mm -hmm. um, the simplicity is really the key mm -hmm. uh, because students can go where their imagination wants to take them. So that's really the uh, real genius in this uh, kind of class that's in class now me as a teacher I've got 
all this data, ideas, uh, little story arc that the students have mm. created. Um, outside of class, I'll write that up into a story. Mm. Um, then in class, we can read it. Uh, or in one-on-one, -on -one, I've been sending it to students for homework. Yeah. So it, it then becomes, um, it's really at their level. It's okay. really at their level with just a little bit of extra vocabulary. So the, the, the creation part is not completely uh, on the student's uh, side. So you do mm. some of it yourself and basically kind of nudge them in that direction. So there is a bit of nudging sometimes. There is mm -hmm. a bit of nudging. Um, but this, the questions I follow mm -hmm. um, really are built for success. Mm. And <laughs> magic happens 90% of the time. And that mm -hmm. extra 10%, I would say, um, is still interesting. <laughs> yeah it just yeah. might not be magic but it's still quite interesting so mm -hmm. it makes for a fun class i know for me and maybe for you as well Fane, there's some situations where we want our students to be creative we want them to take the mm -hmm. lead we want them to share ideas and sometimes maybe because of you know previous experiences or cultural differences yes. it, it might be quite difficult for that to happen so how do you deal with and how do you kind of overcome those difficulties when creating stories with students okay so my experience has been um working with Teenage boys here in Iran, when I was working at that school, we did a class for about 10, 12 students. They loved it. They got on board instantly. That was no problem. I've had a few adults who are, take, a, take a while to warm up or they don't understand what we're doing. So that can take a bit of, you know, we're not talking about you. We're mm -hmm. talking about our imaginations. We're talking about a character here. Um, so that can take a bit of getting used to. But mm -hmm. the majority of students I've had, um, they really get behind it and they run with it. Mm -hmm. um, so for the students who have uh, what you could call maybe no creative confidence or some blockages, it's really just encouragement, mm -hmm. saying yes, going with their ideas. You know, in the story questioning structure that I use, there are so there's so many opportunities for creativity that if they get a bit stuck on one question, like, you know, what's the character's fear, mm. which is always a fun one. People, people mm. tend to um, kind of freeze for a moment and yeah. think about it. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes people can have a bit of trouble expressing themselves, talking about some of those things, but mm -hmm. I take that on board and I, I keep going through the story structure. Um, yeah, I guess it could get even a little bit personal when you get into questions like that too, mm -hmm. right? It's almost like going to therapy because <laughs> you end up putting a lot of well, yourself in those. Yeah. Okay, that's the genius of stories okay, uh. is that we're not talking about ourselves. We're talking about our imaginations. Right. So it gives people a kind of freedom mm -hmm. that I haven't seen in my classrooms before story class. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, sometimes the students on their first time, they'll, they'll start building their character and it's all fine and we're smiling. And then I say, what's the fear? And then they freeze and they say, oh, I was just talking about myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was building a character based on myself. I said, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. This is our imagination. Mm -hmm. We're going off wherever we would like to go. Yeah. It can be very freeing for them for sure. It's quite interesting, actually. And I think subconsciously as well, students probably tell us a lot about themselves without even realizing mm -hmm. through, through these activities. So yeah. it's, uh, it's a very interesting approach. So yeah. what are some memorable stories you've made with students, some particular ones that stick out in your mind, obviously without 
revealing yes. the students themselves. No, no. Um, so I've got, I, I, I did think about this before and I've got a few ones here. So, so mm-hmm. this was the first story I made one-on-one with a student and they told me about uh, an orphan toaster who was abandoned when they're a child. <laughs> and the story was about the family's struggle to take care of the toaster and how to integrate it into the family. That really blew me away. That's really like, interesting. Yeah. Whoa, this is a powerful method of bringing out authentic communication mm-hmm. uh, and meaningful communication. Right. So that was one. Uh, <laughs> so another one was about a koala and a giraffe uh, <laughs> who sneak away from a field trip and they go to sleep in a nearby cave. Their class and the teacher eventually panic and become frightened, thinking that they've fallen off a nearby cliff. Uh, And it then becomes their task to get back to the class without being noticed. Wow. Some real problem-solving skills that are going through the process as well. And a lot of potential for language work there too, it seems, right? So what have you found are some of the benefits apart from all the stuff that we've been discussing um, of teaching these kinds of lessons? So for me, the main benefit is um, meaningful communication. To me, that's been the biggest, the biggest thing that jumps out at me straight away. Mm -hmm. You know, there's kind of two angles to this because there's the class where there's multiple people um, and we're reading in class. Okay. Mm -hmm. We read the text in class. We process it, it takes about an hour, hour and a half to process the text. And then there's the other one-on-one side where I'm sending them the text and the audio of the story. Hmm. So I actually learn using this method. My wife speaks Farsi. She's teaching me Farsi. I'm learning with this method. Hmm. And um, I love it. I love having a story that's really at my level about my own ideas And I'm listening to it and I can repeat the story. I can go back. I can listen to the pronunciation. Hmm. Um, And this becomes the study method that I use with the stories. Mm -hmm. So that's very exciting for me. Um, I struggled to get into word lists. Um, I was always adverse to grammar since I started teaching. Mm -hmm. So just taking in stories has been fantastic for me. Hmm. Wonderful. Sounds like a really nice approach and a kind of a more, obviously it's still a formal way of teaching, but it's, it's kind of learning without realizing. So Jesse, how does these, the kind of classes, these story classes change with beginner students and advanced students? How would you approach them with the different abilities? This method uh, grew from Ben Slavik's work and he works in America with students who come in first day with no foreign language. So he teaches French, no, no foreign language. So a lot of his work is about first day instruction. So if there are any teachers who are doing that, I strongly suggest to go to his books, read his books, first day instruction. Mm. With me, I've worked with beginners. You know, it's simple answers. What does it like? Mm. It likes swimming. What does it dislike? It dislikes mm. homework, common answer. Uh, <laughs> so that gives me um, enough to really build a story, mm-hmm. right? One word answers are totally enough to build a story. Moving up the levels, students are producing more language. There's more detail. There's more backstory. You know, there's mm-hmm. more complex plots happening, which means more information for the teacher. The text becomes longer mm-hmm. uh, and sure. it becomes a bit more of a task, 
to create the story. So I avoid working with advanced students for, for that reason, because I think this method is actually beyond them. Okay. I think if you're an advanced student, you're able to interact with authentic texts. Mm-hmm. So I see this method as really being a kind of beginner to intermediate and okay. really sitting in that kind of range. Yeah, it makes sense. And the way you can tailor the questions, um, I guess, makes it suitable for most levels. Now, you mentioned uh, Ben Slavik's work. So um, mm-hmm. could you just m- maybe mention again where people can learn more about story classes mm-hmm. and some materials you recommend teachers do some reading on? Sure. So he has two fantastic books. Ultimate mm-hmm. CI 1 and 2, they are very practical. They take mm-hmm. you through the steps uh, in a very kind of methodical way. And they also have some articles towards the end where he talks about, um, you know, what are we doing in a language class? What was our purpose here? Uh, you know, how do people learn languages? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how can we best align our techniques with that. Definitely for anyone interested in going deeper, those two books, $60, fantastic purchase. And uh, apart from that, from reading those books, what other advice (laughs) would you give to new teachers or those who are just starting out maybe teaching online or using storytelling? Um, Advice for new teachers? I think if you're jumping into this, there's going to be a bit of letting go of old habits. So I don't correct mistakes in class because why would I I'm going to create a text for them that will be in in perfect native English mm-hmm. and uh, they'll be able and then we'll go through that together so why would I correct mistakes and that also is a shift in stopping listening for mistakes mm-hmm. which right. is a common thing I think teachers get into where mm-hmm. they're that's true you know where's the mistake here whereas doing this work it's really about where is the student taking the story? What are they trying to communicate here? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when there's a communication breakdown, um, you know, grammar mistakes or, or, or vocabulary mistakes, and I find myself not understanding what they're saying, I have to go back and check, okay, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's this character like, you know, what's the problem here and kind of really, uh, understand what they're saying. Yep. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that idea. Yep. Yeah, it's something it is, that we don't is. think we do, but we actually yeah, do that all the time. <laughs> we want to create that positive environment. And if we're just constantly listening out for errors or mistakes, then that might create a slightly less than positive environment. Mm-hmm. And again, there's lots of ways to tackle that. And I think that's a really good approach, Jesse, giving the feedback after as a reflection, as opposed to in the moment yeah. is going to be much more productive. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's we're actually creating a story to then right. read, right? It's it's not like, um, like I know that word feedback for some teachers can mean here are the things you did good and here are right. the things you did right or wrong. Do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas really in story class, the goal is to make a story. That's what we're doing. That's what we're focusing on. We're actually forgetting, I'm trying to forget <laughs> that we're learning a language here, right. right? The goal is to make a story. Yeah. Absolutely. So any, any feedback, let's say you give, let's uh, reconstruct that word would be- yes just to guide them in that storytelling process, right? Not necessarily, or not focusing on how the language is going, but just Mm. on where can we take this and how are we taking it there? Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Very interesting delivery. And again, it's great to have these different ways of teaching that aren't just set on the conventional methods. And this is great for our teachers because they have more tools and more resources and more ways to, you know, deliver their classes and enrich 
the uh, experience for the student. Mm -hmm. So Jesse, how can our listeners um, find out more about this? How can they follow you online, um, social media? Where can they get in touch with you? Okay, so I'm not on social media. Um, okay. if, if people would like, um, if it's okay with you, they could contact me through this uh, podcast, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. um, I am teaching on italki. So my name is Jesse Ledesma on italki. If mm -hmm. anyone would like to contact me through there. Yeah, awesome. sounds good. Yeah, if, if our listeners want to know more, get in touch with Jesse, just send us an email or a message on Instagram and we'll we'll put you through to him. <laughs> oh, you're wonderful. Great. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thanks for your time today. Okay, yeah, no thanks worries. for being here. Yeah, thank no you. Worries. Jesse, thanks for such an insightful and interesting approach to teaching and how we can apply this in a number of different ways. Jesse actually asked us to put his email into the show notes. So feel free to take a look if you want to contact him and find out more. For sure. And this is a really interesting approach to teaching and it's another great tool for our teaching toolbox. So don't hesitate to reach out to any of us if you want to discuss this further. Yeah, hopefully after listening, you might start to use this element or elements of this um, episode today. Yeah, don't forget to get in touch with us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast or send us an email to eslTalkPodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us individually on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Learning with Faye. Remember that Faye is F E Y. Or I'm Daniel Teacher. So we'll see you next week for another new episode of ESL Talk. Thanks as always for listening. Bye bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.